0: Here's a question for you. What if an airline lost your pet? What's the appropriate co- co- compensation? Now, um, recently, a woman named uh, Paula Rodriguez was catching a flight to the Dominican Republic with Delta Airlines. She had a, a visa issue, uh, got the wrong tourist visa. Uh, she did arrive um, at the uh, airport uh, with her six-year-old Chihuahua mix, uh, Maya. Um, it, now, the Dominican Republic native was separated from from her dog after problems with her tourist visa as I said Uh, the dog spent the night at an airport uh, at the airport uh, as Ms. Um, uh, Rodriguez did did as well she stayed at uh, at the airport as well now Ms. Maya's the dog was supposed to stay at a Delta pet facility an airline agent told um, Washington Post recently Uh, but what happened was that was the last time Ms. Rodriguez saw her dog Uh, two days after returning home Uh, A Delta agent called uh, Ms. Rodriguez and said Maya broke her carrier in the middle of an active runway on her way to the pet facility uh, the night of August 18th when this occurred and escaped the restricted airport area. To this uh, this day, they have not been able to find the dog. Now, Ms. Rodriguez says the Delta called and said the compensation for the loss of her dog. Uh, is $1,800, which got me wondering, uh, what is the appropriate compensation for something like that? And I thought the perfect perfect person to speak to uh, would be Rebecca Breder, who, of course, is an animal rights lawyer. Rebecca, thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Good
0: afternoon. I I wanted to explain this story. So here's somebody Mm -hmm. who was expecting to go to the Dominican Republic, had some uh, visa issues, and then uh, the dog somehow became loose, is lost. At the Delta Pet Facility there, and eighteen hundred dollars was the compensation, or that's what's being offered. Your thoughts on this? Uh, would this be enough?
1: Yeah, it's such a sad story, and it really pains me. And I've I've had a couple of pieces now where, and and recently over the last couple to a few years, I would say, mm-hmm. um, actually pre-COVID and then after COVID, where where a couple of different airlines not only lost their pet, but the pet unfortunately died while in cargo, which is one of the reasons why until the day comes when we could travel with our pets in the cabin, I strongly, strongly recommend people to not take their pets with them. Unless there are, some airlines do allow pets to travel if they're up to a certain weight and height Mm -hmm. in the cabin with them. But but in any event, um, the appropriate amount, I guess it's what is the, It's a two-part question. What's the appropriate amount and what is likely to be awarded in court for something like this, if it even gets to the court stage? $1,800, not enough. Definitely not. not. I mean –
0: But would the court say it's enough, do you think?
1: realistically, I would say it depends on the judge. Um, If you get a judge that looks at these things from a particular lens, from a purely black and white type of lens where animals are considered property, because we know that's how they're still considered, sadly, then maybe a judge would would say $1,800. And and actually, let me just put that in context, too. From what I understand, the reason why this particular airline is offering $1,800 is because under their own baggage liability policy, the maximum amount that someone could get for lost baggage, not pets, but lost baggage, is about $3,500 or something like that. It was just short of $4,000. So I think they were offering an amount that they thought was reasonable or is reasonable for lost, quote-unquote, baggage. So that's why the eighteen—that's the $1,800 comes in. It's kind of a halfway point for mm-hmm. what the maximum amount is. But here in Canada, so airlines have similar policies. They have baggage liability policies. Um, there's, there's also people's insurance, the most amount that they could recover there. But really what I wanted to say is that it, there will come a time, and I think sooner rather than later, mm-hmm. where courts are going to award more than just what the animal is worth on paper in terms of property. And I say that because I see that in my own cases. Where courts are really grappling with this idea, and I'm talking mainly about domestic animals, Yes, where yes, on the one hand, they're property, but on the other hand, they're people's family member, and and best interests are considered and things like that. So the law is, the law is very slow to evolve with societal expectations and norms, but I think... If a judge, if you get a judge that is more progressive, you would get something more than eighteen hundred. Now you're not going. I don't think it's realistic to expect anything more than like twenty thousand or thirty thousand. Or our small claims limit here in BC is thirty five thousand, so I don't think you could expect to get something more than that at this stage. But I think depending on the facts, depending on on the situation uh, and the the person's attachment to the dog or, or the pet. I think there is a reasonable chance that the person could get significantly more than $1,800. Now, when people get a lawyer for something like this, at, at least in my cases, they do not retain me just for the money. They do it out of principle. And I think that's one of the reasons why I say time will come, and I think sooner rather than later, when people have had enough that they don't want their companion animal being treated like a piece of baggage anymore, and they will take it further. They will not accept the $1,800 in terms of settlement. And if they're willing to fight for it, both emotionally and financially, and you get the right judge, then I think the, the person may be awarded more than that. And the law is going to move forward that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think Delta did also fly um, uh, Paula Rodriguez's mother uh, to Atlanta to help search for the missing pet and they even brought some of Rodriguez's mm-hmm. clothes to plant a familiar scent. Uh, but so far, uh, nothing at this, at this particular point. But you raised a very interesting point uh, at, at the beginning of our conversation, which is you probably shouldn't bring your pet with you at all because they are at this point treated as baggage, as you say.
1: Yeah, they really are. They really, really are. And it just, I, I understand, and it's not to shame anyone who does it. It's not to, to tell this particular woman you should should have, would have, you know, hindsight is always easier said than done. But if you do have a choice, if you do have the option, and you don't really have to put your beloved dog or cat in cargo, please don't. And the reason why I say that is because these types of scenarios happen way more often than we would like to believe and sadly there are no laws governing how animals are to be treated in cargo there are guidelines and there are policies but there aren't any particular laws that that guide airlines how to do how to treat animals in cargo so it really often comes down to the policies that airlines have the communication that happens between the person loading the belly of the plane with cargo and the pilot. I mean, I've seen in, in my own cases where there was a likely a miscommunication between the person loading mm-hmm. the pet in the cargo area and the pilot. And they didn't realize that there was a live animal in the cargo area. So there wasn't enough oxygen. The air pressure wasn't good enough for the animal. It was pressure. The, the compartment was put in a way, um, for cargo and not for a live animal. So there's so many different factors at play. Mm-hmm. But until until our laws are actually come into come into or created to protect animals in airlines, then I, I really, really strongly encourage people to just not take your companion animal in cargo. Mm-hmm. Just don't do it.
0: Uh, I want to change the subject a little bit. Um, in, in Tawasin, they have a Facebook page called Tawasin Loop, which just is right. local folks uh, uh, helping each other with, uh, you know, your your favorite ice cream shop down Do I Need a Carpenter, who would you recommend? Uh, so it's got a significant amount of followers. But I saw a posting there just recently from uh, one of their contributors named Emma, and it was just uh, the woman in this case had a three-month-old puppy, and they were out walking. She and her husband were out walking. Um, at a local park called Windskill Park, which is very popular in Tawasin. And Mm -hmm. uh, at this point, the, the dog, when they got home, um, you know, started acting acting very differently. And when they look back along the timeline, they realize as they're out in the park, um, they, she, the, the dog, she tested positive for having inhaled or consumed fentanyl and yeah. other opioids. Uh, now, this is a very popular park, uh, not only for dog lovers, but for parents. Kids are out uh, in different parts of the park playing, you know, um, baseball, and there's a swimming pool nearby as well. I, I'm just ta- uh, wondering, in your practice, are you hearing about more of these types of things happening uh whether it's inhaling opioids or fentanyl or even cannabis or edibles are you hearing cannabis. More of this? cannabis yes
1: yes yes i hear i haven't it, in in my own practice i haven't seen fentanyl, fentanyl yet but mm-hmm. that doesn't surprise me but it's crazy and it's so scary but um yeah i hear quite a bit about cannabis but sadly there's nothing much i can do about that okay. it's potentially a criminal matter but doubtfully first of all good luck finding the person and and it's not even if i mean i say potentially criminal but highly unlikely because especially when it comes to cannabis it's legal Mm -hmm. so people are allowed unless there's a bylaw not allowed smoking in parks but people are allowed consuming cannabis products but what i suggest and highly highly recommend to people is that if you see your dog sniffing around a park bench or sniffing a lot more intensely than they normally do, just just pull the leash and uh, closer to you. Mm-hmm. It's really sad because there's not much that you could do about it. I, I commend this person for calling it out on Facebook and just kind of letting people know, hey, this is what happened to my dog, be careful. But from kind of a legal point of view, there's not much you could do because it's almost impossible to find these people. And then it's not like these people, even if you find the person, it's not like this person intentionally dropped this product or leftovers of whatever it is, cannabis or fentanyl to intentionally harm your, your animal, you know, but, but I think good on her that she actually took the time to write that Facebook posting to make people aware of what happened to her dog and to alert people.
0: Yeah. And I I do want to reiterate uh, the puppy ended up making it through the night and is on the road to recovery, which is fabulous news, which is... uh,
1: Yay! Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Glad to hear.
0: (laughs) Rebecca, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.